Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. I hope that you had a spectacular weekend. Uh, I've got a long one for you today, so I'm going to go ahead and get right into it. Sometimes writing this show is difficult, not because I don't like it and not because I don't want to, but because it's often incredibly late and I'm exhausted. So hopefully you won't be able to tell. (laughs) Um, Quite a bit of high profile video footage hit the airwaves on Friday. It started with Paul Pelosi's DUI footage, his security cam footage, of the break-in and the subsequent 911 call, as well as the San Francisco Police Department interview with David DePape, the man who attacked the husband of Nancy Pelosi in their home last year, showed absolutely no remorse and continued his dangerous fixation on the former House Speaker in a bizarre phone call to a San Francisco reporter on Friday. Uh, David DePape called KTVU's Amber Lee from the San Francisco County Jail on the same day that the attack footage was released with what he called a, quote, important message for everyone in America. Without mentioning Pelosi by name, DePape said he had gathered names and addresses of people that he believed were systematically and deliberately destroying American freedom and liberty and said that he wanted to have a heart-to-heart chat about their bad behavior. DePape added that he should have been more prepared and added that he was sorry he didn't get more of them. KTVU said that the reporter was not allowed to ask follow-up questions of DePape during the phone conversation, which he allowed to be recorded. DePape also told a San Francisco police officer in October that the reason he went to the Pelosi San Francisco home was because he believed that the then speaker was the leader of the pack of all the politicians in Washington, D.C. lying on a consistent basis. I mean, I don't condone hitting the man hitting Pelosi with a hammer, but he's really not wrong about that fact. Um, In laying out his reasons for enacting the attack, DePape epitomizes how dangerous, unsubstantiated political rhetoric that enters the mainstream has contributed to political violence nationwide. U.S. Capitol Police Chief Tom Manger, or Manger, I'm not sure how you say his last name, said earlier this month that threats against members of Congress is still too high, even though threat investigations dropped in 2022 for the first time in five years. Federal law enforcement agencies have consistently warned about the increasing threat of politically motivated violence after rioters attacked the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, raising specific concerns about the likelihood that online calls for violence result in real-world attacks. DePape claimed in his October interview the Democrats led by Pelosi spied on former President Donald Trump in a way that was worse than Watergate, when then-President Richard Nixon was forced to resign after it was discovered his administration tried to cover up a break-in at the DNC headquarters. 
When Trump came into office, what they did went so far beyond spying on a rival campaign. It's just crazy, DePape said in an audio recording of his interview with a San Francisco police officer. Without evidence, DePape claimed that Democrats were on an endless fucking crime spree when it came to Trump. That's his quote directly. Not only were they spying on a rival campaign, they were submitting fake evidence to spy on a rival campaign, covering it up, persecuting the rival campaign. All of that actually happened. So, I, you know, it says without evidence. There's quite a bit of evidence that all of that happened now at this point. DePape said uh, that he believed of what he believed Democrats were doing to Trump. DePape said that these actions originated with Hillary Clinton, who unsuccessfully ran against Trump in 2016, and that all Democrats are criminals. <laughs> but he zeroed in on Pelosi as the one who ran with the line. DePape is facing both state and federal charges related to the attack. He has pleaded not guilty. The video and audio released were released by a court Friday over the objections of DePape's attorneys who argued it would irreparably damage his right to a fair trial. Media outlets, including CNN, pressed the court to release the information. I can honestly see why his attorneys felt that way, and it may be grounds for dismissal now, because the jury pool is tainted, considering when asked the question, what were your intentions? And he said, um, well, I was going to basically hold her hostage and talk to her, and if she told the truth, I would let her go scot-free. If she lied, that would be a very big... And I can't tell what he says because the officer interrupts him, but he follows it up with, hell no, I I knew she would fucking lie. So if your intent was to ask her questions and the consequences would have been different had she lied, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really bad all around. I still have questions Um, And I'm just going to say this publicly out here. When the initial police report or police statement, I guess, came out, um, it was said that there was a third person on the scene that opened the door for the police. And in the video footage, you can see that Pelosi has a glass in his left hand. He's holding the hammer with his right hand. DePape's left hand is behind Pelosi's back and his right hand is holding the hammer as well. There is no one there to open the door. It appears that there is someone who is behind the door. So I still don't know who that third person was. That uh, statement by the police was retracted uh, shortly following. So I still have questions. It is is not questionable, though, that DePape seems to have had some sort of psychological break in this whole process. In addition to the Pelosi videos, the Memphis police murder of Tyree Nichols was released. The video was absolutely awful to watch and highlights a bigger problem than anyone is prepared to admit. Policing in the United States is rapidly transitioning from serve and protect to judge, jury, and execution. It's it's not clear why the traffic stop happened in the first place. One officer can be heard on video saying that Nichols wouldn't stop and then swerved as though he intended to hit the officer's car. 
The officer says that when Nichols pulled up to a red light, the officers jumped out. But Davis said the department cannot substantiate the reason for the stop. Mr. Nichols was able to get away from these officers, and they found him again at another location. Uh, At that point, there was an amount of aggression that is unexplainable. The Memphis, Memphis police chief, Sarah Davis, or CJ, disbanded the city's so-called Scorpion unit on Saturday, citing a cloud of dishonor from newly released video that showed some of its officers beating Tyree Nichols to death after stopping the motorist. Referring to the heinous actions of a few that dishonored the unit, Davis contradicted an earlier statement that she would keep the unit. She said it was imperative that the department take proactive steps in the healing process. It's in the best interest of all to permanently deactivate the Scorpion unit, she said in a statement. She said the officers currently assigned to it agreed unreservedly. The unit is composed of three teams of about 30 officers whose stated aim is to target violent offenders in areas beset by high crime. It had been inactive since Nichols' January 7th arrest. Scorpion stands for Street Crimes Operations to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. In an interview Friday with the Associated Press, Davis had said she would not shut down a unit if a few officers commit some egregious acts and because she needed it to continue to work. CJ's pretty accustomed to controversial decisions, though, That's because she was previously fired by the Atlanta Police Department after being accused of attempting to cover up the sex crimes of a co-worker's husband. Davis was terminated from her position as APD's internal affairs commander for her alleged involvement in a botched sex crimes investigation into the husband of an Atlanta police sergeant. According to the report, two detectives claimed Davis instructed them to not investigate the suspected predator. Terrell Marion, T.C. Crane, after police discovered sexually explicit images of him with minor girls. Crane was later indicted by a federal grand jury on charges of producing child pornography, to which he pleaded guilty to one count in January of 2009. The case required a federal indictment due to Atlanta police taking no action, according to the publication. An investigation conducted by the city later found that Davis was at fault for the inaction. Then-Chief Richard Pennington first demoted the longtime law enforcement official from major to lieutenant before deciding to fire her, though she was ultimately reinstated after challenging the decision with Atlanta's Civil Service Board. Davis retired from the department in 2016 to become the chief of the Durham, North Carolina Police Department. In June of 2021, she became the Memphis Police Department's first female chief less than two years later. Her department is being implicated in the death of 29-year-old father Tyree Nichols, who died three days after being beaten by officers Tadarius Bean, Demetrius Haley, Desmond Mills Jr., Emmett Martin III, and Justin Smith, who were all fired and charged. They're each facing seven counts, second-degree murder, aggravated assault, act in concert, two counts of aggravated kidnapping, two counts of an official misconduct, and official oppression. 
In other words, she's doing great. They face up to 60 years in prison if convicted of a second-degree murder. The video images released Friday show police savagely beating the 29-year-old FedEx worker for three minutes while screaming profanities at him in an assault that the Nichols family legal team has linked, likened, I'm sorry, likened to the infamous 1991 police beating of uh, Rodney King. Nichols calls out for his mother before his limp body is propped up against a squad car. The officers exchange fist bumps. The video left many unanswered questions about the traffic stop and about other law enforcement officers who stood by as Nichols lay motionless on the pavement. Davis has said other officers are under investigation, and Shelby County Sheriff Floyd Bonner said two deputies were relieved of duty without pay while their conduct is investigated. Rodney Wells, Nichols' stepfather, said the family would continue to seek justice, and those who failed to render aid are just as culpable as the officers who threw the blows. I don't care how reckless he was driving. I don't care if he had hit the officer's vehicle with his car. He did not deserve to lose his life in this situation. We as citizens are expected to toe the line. We cannot flood the halls of Congress and hold our representatives accountable, lest we be called violent insurrectionists and a threat to democracy. But what is it when the state wields its power against you, not only violating your constitutional rights and civil liberties, but your life? They take your life. I used to be a back-the-blue supporter of the police, but the Stanford prison experiment seems to now be conducted on a large scale, and the results are starting to clearly indicate the same. I believe that reform needs to take place in a way that many people are not prepared to discuss, but at this point, it is very clear that something has to change. The global oil market remains tight according to Saudi Aramco, the largest oil producer in the world, and that does not bode well for a world that still relies heavily on fossil fuels. Today, there is spare capacity that is extremely low, Saudi Aramco CEO Amin Nasser said at a recent press conference in London. If China opens up, the economy starts improving or the aviation industry starts asking for more jet fuel you will erode this spare capacity. Nasser warns that oil prices could very quickly spike again. When you erode that spare capacity, the world should be worried. There will be no spare for any hiccup, any interruption, any unforeseen events anywhere around the world will create issues. Uh, I have long preached that your local sheriff is the most important elected official in your life, they can actively protect you from an overreaching federal authority and even deputize the citizenry. A new federal rule states that those who use a brace stabilizer attachment will have to register their weapons with the government or risk a felony. On January 13th of 2023, the Attorney General signed the ATF Final Rule 2021-R08F, factoring criteria for firearms with attached stabilizing braces, amending their regulations to clarify 
When a rifle is designed, made, and intended to be fired from the shoulder. While some may celebrate the ATF's rule as a gun control measure, others are challenging it. Following the announcement by the ATF, the Arkansas Sheriff's Association issued the following statement. On January 13, 2023, the ATF published their final rule on pistol stabilizing braces. It's estimated that between 3 and 40 million of these braces are currently in use all over the United States. Pistol stabilizing braces have existed in several forms for decades and have been at the forefront of popularity since 2012. Citizens all over this country have legally purchased and used these items and done so in compliance with state and federal law. The new ATF rule would make these braces illegal and require current owners to take further steps to avoid being a criminal. In 2021, the Arkansas legislature passed Act 1012, which prohibits state and local employees, including law enforcement officials, from assisting the federal government in the enforcement of firearms regulations enacted after January 1st of 2021. This law helps to place a safeguard between the citizens of our great state and a federal government that would seek to trample on our most basic rights, including the right to self-defense. As an association, we believe that the Second Amendment was not put in place to protect deer hunting or sport shooting, but to protect freedom, personal safety, and all those we love and hold dear. Arkansas Code 21 904 says, A, all acts, laws, orders, rules, and regulations of the United States government that were enacted on or after January 1st of 2021 that infringe upon the people's right to keep and bear arms as guaranteed by the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution and Arkansas Constitution, Articles 2 and 5 are invalid in this state shall not be recognized by this state, are specifically rejected by this state, and shall be considered null and void and of no effect in this state. B. Such a federal ban that is null and void in this state under subsection A of this section includes without limitation. 4. Any act forbidding the possession, ownership, use, or transfer of any type of firearm, firearm accessory, or ammunition by law-abiding citizens. One. The following persons shall not enforce or assist federal agencies or officers in the enforcement of any federal statute, executive order, or federal agency directive that conflicts with Arkansas Constitution Articles 2 and 5, or any Arkansas law. A public officer or employee of this state, the Arkansas Sheriff's Association having the full weight and backing of the state of Arkansas, and in accordance with that statute is making the public statement that we do not support assisting the federal government in any way in enforcing of this offensive affront to the rights of law-abiding citizens of the state of Arkansas. Criminals don't obey the law, and when rules like this are put in place, they seek only to criminalize otherwise law-abiding citizens. Our government needs to focus on keeping violent repeat offenders off the street, and not how to make criminals out of law-abiding citizens. Respectfully, Scott Bradley, Director, Arkansas Sheriff's Association. If your sheriff has not issued a statement like this one, 
you need to ask them where they stand on this issue. And if they aren't willing to act in a similar fashion, find someone who will. California legislators are attempting to pass an exit tax for households with assets of $50 million or more. They're desperate to stem the stampede of cash cows or affluent residents out of their state. Heaven forbid that these legislators should instead come to terms with the reason so many productive residents flee or what they could do to make their state a more attractive destination for people and businesses. They aren't much concerned with that, merely the stopping the flight of all of that revenue. If they cared about the livelihoods of the people leaving, they probably would have governed in a way that didn't prompt people to head for the exits. The Golden State has been losing residents to other states through net domestic migration for 21 years in a row. But until recently, they were able to make up the difference with births and international migration. Starting in 2020, however, California began losing population in absolute terms, 300,000 people, or the population equivalent of Pittsburgh in just two years. Yet somehow, it seems not to occur to the Democrats who dominate the state's politics that this is happening because they govern so badly. Leftist legislators in the one-party paradise have neither a clue nor a desire to understand why people don't want to live in a state where middle-income earners' tax rates are higher than what millionaires pay in most other states. People also do not like that nearly every product they purchase is obliged to have a label stating that it causes cancer, and that California polls try to massacre the gig economy to help moribund but politically connected labor unions. Who wants to live in a state where out-of-touch bureaucrats are still trying to impose COVID restrictions on freedom of movement and speech? Arbitrary decarbonization goals result in the nation's highest electricity rates and more than twice as many blackouts as any other state. There is essentially no hope of producing enough electricity to charge all the electric cars that politicians are forcing everyone to buy. That is your Monday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I hope, again, that you guys had a great weekend, and I look very forward to uh, talking to you guys the rest of this week. You guys take care. Have a good day. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.